you know, she had an incredible sense for the value of public spaces as gathering spaces, yep. no matter how big they were, or, you know, whether they were new or old, you know, Monument Circle, what we did with the idea competition and its value, Monument Circle's value to Central Indiana, uh, Georgia Street, absolutely, um, just an, an incredible sense of what public gathering spaces are. You're listening to Julia Saltzgaver, who's my guest this week, along with Paulina Osharov. We're paying tribute to the life of Tamara Zahn on this episode of Michael Loves Indy. Hi, friends. Welcome back to Michael Loves Indy. This episode is dedicated to the memory of our friend Tamara Zahn, who passed away in early October. Tamara Zahn was one of our most influential civic leaders in Indianapolis of the last three decades. Um, she led Indianapolis Downtown Inc., which then became the Downtown Indy organization, which is part promoter, part programmer, part operator of Indianapolis's downtown. And Tamara herself was really influential at the growth of um, the Indianapolis downtown. You know, as I record this, Indianapolis is under consideration to host the March 2021 Men's NCAA Basketball Tournament at a time when we're still um, under the, the restrictions uh, from COVID-19 and, you know, vaccines are coming available and Indianapolis is exactly the kind of downtown that is perfect for what the NCAA wants to do. It's got a very compact, walkable downtown, uh, more than enough hotel rooms to pull off an event like that, thousands of volunteers. And it's important that I remind myself, and I think younger people too, that Indianapolis hasn't always been like this. I mean, as recently as the 70s and 80s, people referred to it as India No Place. And billions of dollars of investment happen literally billions, in the 1980s, 90s, 2000s, 2010s. And Tamara Zahn was really at the forefront of a lot of that as the leader of the Downtown Indy organization. Before she became the founding leader of that organization, which she led for nearly two decades, she had a long career in real estate and in business. And she brought to the job an understanding of what makes downtowns and public spaces in other cities around the U.S. and around the world really work. She's an incredibly generous person, very generous spirit. I, I met her, I don't know, I think I was still in grad school in the early 2000s. She was incredibly nice to me, but I didn't fully appreciate what she brought to the table till later. Um, she left the Downtown Indy organization in 2012 after nearly two decades there and continued to do a lot of consulting, but she served a lot on civic boards and she was so generous in her mentorship, particularly of young leaders. And I think I gained an appreciation of her even more in the last seven or eight years of her life. She passed away in early October at the age of 67, far too young. Um, and it's just been really hard. It, it was hard for me to uh, kind of approach this episode, but I, I just really wanted to have conversations with people who knew her better than I did to uh, just just commemorate her. And uh, there are two individuals, good friends of mine, that we're talking to today. One is Julia Saltzgaver, who worked with Tamara Zahn for almost 30 years. Julia is the executive director of the Quality Connection, a uh, labor management partnership with over 100 union electrical contractors and 3,000 employees. And she worked for the Downtown Indy Organization, leading marketing, among other functions. So we have a conversation with Julia Saltzgaver about Tamara's life and what she meant and then a little bit later, we'll talk to Paulina Osharov, the photographer, designer, leader of the organization Pattern. So I don't know. It's, it's, hard. it's hard when friends pass away, and there's obviously a lot of grieving and unpacking. But these conversations, I think, helped me to put in perspective what Tamara meant. And there's a large group of people in Indianapolis that are going to make sure that her work carries on. So without further ado, first up, we're going to have a conversation with Julia Saltzgaver. Thank you for taking the time. Um, I'm sure it came as a shock. I know we're a few weeks out from Tamara's passing, and uh, 
you know, I've ne I've never asked you, Julia. When, when I when I met Tamara, you know, you you two were a part of the same team and had been working together for some time. So, I I do before I kind of ask you um, more about your relationship. I, I've never asked you where you where the two of you first met and how you developed this working partnership. It was uh, great. Uh, you may or may not know uh, that I was the first director of marketing for the Children's Museum. And as such, which was a very interesting challenge, I loved it. It was a 70 plus year old academic organization who said, hey, we need to know a little bit more about this thing they call marketing. <laughs> and I said, okay, I'll do that. Uh, and what an honor, what an honor. But I served on the Indianapolis Downtown Marketing Inc. board and at one point was chair of that board. When Tamara was ready to recruit uh, someone to fill a position, she reached out to me and we just had a really good connection. I knew it was a person that I would not only work for, but with. And I think she appreciated that as well, that I was a person that would not only work for her, but with her. And Michael, before we go any further, I do wanna thank you for uh, reaching out to me and, and also just want you to know that I'll do my best to speak on behalf of everybody who, at, during that, that IDI era, so many of us, one of the things that we all knew was that, it, you know, the old expression, there's no I in team. We got this done because we all cared about each other, cared about the organization, and cared about downtown. Yeah. No I in team. And I, I, I feel like as part of Tamara's story, especially for people like me and I think, but I think even more so because I think I'm 44. So I'm a Gen Xer. I think I'm thinking of the millennials and mm -hmm. you know, Gen Zers. It's like, there was a time there, there was a time when people didn't think of downtown Indianapolis as this vibrant, you know, um, uh, place where, where, where everything was happening. And, and so as I, as I look back at the timeline, I mean, then not long after the time you described, you joined the organization and joined forces with Tamara, but at a time when you're still trying to build up how um, and, and change the way people thought of the downtown. Is that right. Is that right? Yeah. One thing that's really interesting, and I'll be a little bit kind of academic and, and data, uh, in, back in 1994, I started officially in the role in 95, but in 94, uh, did a, a market research for Central Indiana, and only 47% of Central Indiana residents had been downtown. Wow. The real uh, pivot point uh, was when Circle Center opened. And from that point on, it was when we repeated that research, and that's one of the things that was really good about uh, how we approach things is we tried to be big brand or big, you know, a big organization, corporate, even though we were a very small organization, right? But we knew we had to repeat that research in order to understand the progress we were making. And we made great progress. We got to a point where uh, more than 85% of our residents, Central Indiana residents, would come downtown in a six-month period for something other than work. Wow. Right? You knew you can get them downtown for work every day. Yeah. But how do you get them to come downtown to for the, the play part of it, the entertainment, the recreation, what we had to offer? What, what do you think were the keys? Were there certain moments or uh, inflection points that represent changes in people's perceptions just because just that the the um the percentages you described i'm doing the math i mean that's hundreds of thousands of people yeah do the math you know one of the things that we did early on in addition to that market research is we started tracking and this ties into your question what were those kind of things that caused that change and kept that change going uh, we started tracking the amount of um, investment in downtown and I, the first time I did that document, it was a little word document with like 14 entries, right? We, it became a database. And as you know, with your time with the city, really what happened in that 20 year period was a $3 billion investment. And that kind of investment that spans everything from a circle center to a Lucas Oil Stadium to a banker's life to the, the Marriott and then the JW and the Conrad and the number of residents that were built downtown and all the restaurants. Those are reasons to continually come downtown. So that's part of it. You have to continually build your product and always give that compelling reason to visit. But then there's a real practical part of it too. And that is that 
when you came downtown, it had to be a good experience from beginning to end. And so we focused so much of our energy on what other folks might think, you didn't want, but we focused our energy, as you know, on parking. You had to be able to park easily, yep. right? If you couldn't park and it was paying the butt, you weren't going to do it. Yep. Bottom line, or it was very expensive. In addition, you had to feel safe. And we knew downtown was safe. We just needed to create and cultivate the environment in which you felt safe. And it's very different to feel safe like you, Michael Huber, president of the chamber, walking downtown from meeting A to meeting B. Yeah. It's very different for uh, someone else who may be bringing their you know, three kids and they can't yeah. hold all their hands at once kind of thing. Making it a great experience um, just in the environment of downtown was critical. Yeah. And how does how does Tamara's kind of personality and presence because again it's 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 been great it's been great for me to have these conversations because my my time in Indianapolis starts in 2001 and it's easy to think oh this stuff has always been here and it just wasn't so what 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 do you think um in terms of her her unique kind of you know personality traits and you know, uh, there, there are so many wonderful attributes that she had, but really relevant to the question we're talking about now is she understood and brought with her that Simon Property Group background and that Disney kind of approach that uh, you need, as silly as it sounds, you need flowers, you need the pansies, you need twinkle lights and trees, it has to be clean, uh, kinds of things. Uh, those, you might call them soft touches or are they really necessary? But yeah, they are. They're quite necessary. Wow. And, um, and that shows her, her intuitive sense of what makes someone uh, comfortable to what makes someone just really uh, excited about where they are. Yeah. Um, an intense personality for sure. I mean, that, mm-hmm. that left an impression when I first, when I first yes. met her. And um, do you think, you know, is that, is that something that she always had? Is that something that she... Is that something that she developed kind of as part of someone who had, because, because just the way your organization was set up, you had to form these constantly form these teams and coalitions and things like this, but that, but that kind of intense energy that in fact, the first few times I met her, I was like, Whoa, you know, but, but, but real, but, but then you kind of, but also there was a persistence. I mean, she, she won me over and a lot of people over, I think over time. So where do you think that, where do you think that came from? You know, I think in large part it was, it's who she was. So your question, you know, is she wired that way? That's how she was built. But also it's a sort of an, an evolution and uh, sort of a, a perfecting in the role. Yeah. Uh, you, I always said we, we always knew what skills and attributes and resources we brought into the room. We just didn't know who was going to be in the room with us. Yeah. And understanding how to navigate that and make the most of it. She was, she was really good at that. She also, to be in that role for – more than a couple of decades and then um, uh, continue to be an influence. You've got changes of mayor, changes of governor, changes of chief of police. Um, right. You know what? Um, I, and I, 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 as more time went on, I respected her more for having an openness when these different roles in the city would change. Mm-hmm. Are there any, you know, qualities or stories or thoughts that come to mind regarding that? Yeah. You know, starting in the, you know, those early days and IDI hadn't been in existence much more than a year when I joined. One of the hardest challenges that uh, we had to work through and that she led through was in, in some ways the value of downtown when Circle Center opens, it's pretty clear, right? But what's the value? What is the, the, the central point and value of an organization like Indianapolis Downtown Incorporated. So she understood that and, and how to build those relationships with uh, leaders as they changed in and out of, of influence. We just, she knew that she had to be open to that. We had to listen and we had to be responsive. Yeah. Um, and I think it, I, I got, I would get the sense I see things so differently now, of course, than I did a decade ago, sure. but it's like, it's like, and I'm sure you, you went through this and the entire team. Okay. Here comes a whole new crop of people from the mayor's office or the governor's office. And they're approaching this stuff for the first time. They think it's always been here, you know, without the appreciation yeah. for what we built. Yeah. Um, 
you know, were there, were there any, are there any hiccups or particular, um, you know, challenges or hurdles that come to mind that you had to overcome? Uh, you know, I think it was always just time and establishing some trust, right? And and as I've already mentioned, some of those what seem like softer points, like flowers or twinkle lights, or you know, uh, uh, keep keeping downtown clean. Those things clearly take time and money. And can you trim that? Yeah. Um, and where do you get the resources to do that? Yeah. And and that sort of thing. And really getting leaders to buy in for their own property. One of the things that we understood early on and she was very good at was knowing that an organization like IDI doesn't have uh, the authority to control all of downtown and issue an edict nor the budget. You had to build yeah. buy-in and shared vision. Yeah. So you're constantly bringing new people into that. It's like a big old interstate, right? And some people are taking the exit ramp and some people are taking the the entry ramp. Right. I, had the, I remember having this experience. So I, I met her Oh, maybe oh two oh three, because I was a graduate student and I was working on a couple of projects for former mayor Steve Goldsmith, and she was incredibly kind to me, even though we just met in passing a few times. And you know, when you're you're younger, that really stays with you. So, sure. but I remember I remember a couple of experiences early on in my time at the mayor's office where, via a group meeting, talking about some issue related to downtown, and it's almost as if she would sense kind of that there was a void in the room and just start facilitating. Yes. <laughs> oh, start, no. Kind of start, kind of start organizing the plan kind of without everybody, anybody's permission. But, you know, but good. some people, some people will do that. And you're like, who's this jerk? But with her, it was very natural. It was like, Oh, okay. Okay. Here's yeah. where we're going. Is that, is that, yeah. um, she was a natural born organizer. And let me tell you, yeah. uh, and probably the right person to take a brand new organization and give it structure and, and, um, infrastructure and, and systems uh, and yes you're right in any conversation any meeting any gathering if things kind of started to kind of come you know just not move forward the way it needed to or needed some facilitation she was on it yeah yeah yeah, yeah. so i i remember um now i'm into like 2010 2011 mm -hmm. the super bowl is approaching and so which is almost like look at now i didn't have this clarity then but now i look back and it's like wow okay so in in less than two decades it's downtown which is um very little activity at night at all now mm -hmm. it's evolved to where indianapolis is hosting a super bowl and there's um the super bowl committee in the city spend a lot of money on georgia street and then it's like oh my gosh what are we going to do with georgia street after the super mm -hmm. bowl yeah. and there was a there was kind of i don't want to say it was a jump ball but but i think really the, the, the mayor and other interests really go to Tamara saying, can you take this on, you know, and, and I, um, that, that's one of those experiences where I already respected her. I gained a ton of respect for her just because it was actually, that was the first time I had seen her ability to get really into the weeds as an operator, like what mm -hmm. you were describing and real. And I mean, I, I'll, I'll, I will think for years that, um, her and your entire team, um, getting focused on Georgia street, um, saved it and made it vibrant for at least, at least another decade when it might, it might've fallen flat after the Super Bowl. I know that's more of a statement than a question, but does that, does that match up with your recollection of that? Absolutely. It does. And she, you know, she had an incredible sense for the value of public spaces as gathering spaces, yep. no matter how big they were or, you know, whether they were new or old, you know, Monument Circle, what we did with the idea competition and its value, Monument Circle's value to central Indiana, uh, Georgia Street, absolutely, um, just an, an incredible sense of what public gathering spaces are. I do, um, her um, always looking forward and always looking for the next ideas, you know, so many of our colleagues, you kind of get set in one lane and you kind of mm -hmm. stay there, but with her, um, the organization CEOs for cities. It was really Tamara and Brian Payne that introduced, introduced me and many others to that organization. And, um, I also, um, respected, but would regularly get ideas from her. She, it seemed like she always was reaching beyond and, yeah. and, and, and trying to understand what the, what the next wave, right. um, was, was going to be. Yes. One of that, the things that was really enjoyable is, she uh, she would embrace how things needed to be done, but she would also be just as open to how should we be doing them? Meaning this yeah. is how we've done it. 
what we need to be doing going forward. Yeah. 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 Um, is there, is there an event or a, a specific project or, or something that will stand out to you as you, as you think about her? I mean, is her, are there, are there certain, there's certain kind of keystone events that, that, well, Michael, probably a couple of keystone events. And one of them actually, and probably not surprisingly, is Circle of Lights. Yeah. Because when we took that on, that was, a, you know, a, a live event. Uh, you know, a fair number of people came downtown to watch the lights uh, go on. But we hit a point where we knew, we were told that the decor that we had had to be replaced. And to the point of, well, how do we do this, not just replace, you know, strands of light, 62 strands, what's the right thing to do right now? And we took that far wide and deep. And to, to convert that from a lighting ceremony to a, an hour long television show with auditions and everything you can imagine, uh, and to, to have her really just be open to that kind of possibility and, and uh, the effort and experiment, the risk to give it all a try, is unbelievable. Yeah, uh, that was that was really it. It, it paid off. Yeah, and doing that. You know, sometimes you, if you're the fiscal voice in the conversation, you have to ask yourself the question: well, How are we going to pay for this? How are we going to pay for this? We knew we'd find a way to pay for it too, and we yeah. did. Because it yeah. has, you know, it has worth and value. Uh, probably the other area was the cultural districts. Because, again, she just had a really strong sense for not only, you know, those great big things like, you know, when MS Communications opened their offices or we recruited the NCAA or uh, you name it. Knowing that those things that bring people together and those areas and those opportunities that bring people together and that downtown can be a home uh, not just a place to come to work or to come downtown for a sporting event or a symphony mattered just as much. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it's like, I know it, as I get older, it's like, you know, we've got, we've got to make sure the young people understand these stories. And, and mm -hmm. I think because, you know, um, so much of what made Indianapolis is downtown vibrant. Again, you, you think that it just sprouts up from the ground and, and that it was all these, it was all these um, very focused actions by a group of individuals that, that really, uh, you know, created it. Um, so um, I, one of the things I felt was forward thinking, certainly for Indianapolis was Tamara saw the downtown residential boom many yes. years before others did. I have to think that's in part because she was a, 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 she got a PhD in American downtowns, you know, over, over her much, yeah. years as part of the, as part of the, yeah. the organization. Yeah. Um, are there, are there, are there things like that that come to mind that she sort of saw into the future that happened later? Um, yeah. You know, residential is, is a great example of uh, sort of that vision that kind of, I don't want to say nobody else had, but needed a leader. And she really, uh, embraced that, owned it, and uh, worked very hard to make sure even those earliest, like Firehouse Square, uh, Ryland Homes, that was the one of the first major investments in new construction homes, uh, Fayette Street and Paca Street in the late 90s. Uh, you know, it was 10, 12 houses, but it was a way to say downtown is a place to live. Yep. And she she owned that in a way that no one else did and that really helped establish a little bit of momentum get that ball rolling i know you said that um you had a conversation with her just a, a couple days before she passed but and, and actually we're gonna um talk to paulina this week mm -hmm. uh for the same the same program about her her work mentoring you know people in that next generation but get, would you mind sharing sort of what your what your recent conversations were about and what kind of things oh, you were talking yeah. about and working on? Uh, you know, we, we talked often and kept in contact for sure. Uh, but the most recent was very much on point. Uh, the city of Indianapolis celebrating its 200th. Uh, we were working on a project to submit digital content relative to cultural districts. 
and we'd been talking, emailing. I emailed her Tuesday. We were to get back with one another Friday. Um, Thursday, she was gone. Uh, you know, so I mean, it was, it was for everybody such a surprise. Yeah. I, um, it was maybe a couple of weeks. It was maybe two weeks before her passing. We were riding on the Monon with the kids and we saw Tamara and Karen gentlemen on a walk on a Sunday morning. Yeah. And, um, I think one of the hardest things, uh, and I, I didn't know her and work with her nearly as closely as you did, but just like in recent years, she had this relentless positivity, but it wasn't like a surface or phony positivity at all. It was a, like, like, um, you know, being very supportive of the idea, um, offering her own ideas, offering to connect you with other people that you might not know. Um, and, uh, I just, I don't know. It's just, it's, it's, it's a loss. I, it's like, I just, I think, I think of a handful of people that really embody the kind of spirit of the Indianapolis civic community and Mm -hmm. kind of that, the, including the openness to change. And I don't know, it's just a, you know, Michael, we sometimes, you know, talk as a community about, you know, who's your hospitality and how welcoming we are. You know, I have to tell you in every way that I can um, imagine. And as I look back over my 20 years with Tamara, her welcoming, supportive, kind way, um, was not common yeah. just not common and therefore it it drew you to her yeah yeah it's just a and major she had loss that, yeah she yeah. had that understanding you know you'll read and you know how, you know when you're learning how to be a supervisor or a manager you learn that um support and encouragement praise or what cause employees to really want to do more it's not the the financial um people wanted to work for and with her because of her supportive and encouraging nature. Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. And, you know, for me, uh, you know, I had three young children during that time frame, and she made a unique and special connection with each one of them. When when I told my kids that Tamara had passed, one of my kids, her social media comment was, and I'm paraphrasing a little bit here, but uh, nothing but kindness, Love the rides in the convertible. Oh, wow. <laughs> she take her out for a ride in the convertible. <laughs> Fantastic. And, um, you know, each one of my kids needed her kindness in different ways, and she did it. Yeah. She did it. Well, I, I just really appreciate you taking the time, Julia. Um, it's just a, a real loss, and I know I know it's been a few weeks, but um, yeah. um, I, I do. You know, I, I, I hope, and I, I, I commit to this. I hope that um, uh, I hope that people do um, carry carry her story, you know, especially to younger generations. Because I, I, I on one hand, I do uh, I I make the mistake of thinking, oh, Indianapolis and downtown Indianapolis, it was always like this. But I think too, it's a story for young people of the influence that one person can have, especially when she wasn't like, she wasn't leading this massive organization, you know, it was kind of a matrixed organization and yet had influence, you know, over, over multiple decades. I don't don't know. Does that, that does make sense. And and you're right. And I think that was just a bit of genius on her part to understand we've got to pull together these task force or working groups or, you know, whatever we want to call it at that moment, but we've got to pull together these constituencies create that shared vision and buy-in so that they will execute. Yeah. Uh, you know, downtown wouldn't have been clean throughout if everybody didn't do their part. Yeah. Or, you know, whatever it is. Um, she just had a real sense of, boy, in order to, the 12 of us can have some impact, but if we can multiply that and make it 144, it's that much bigger. And yeah. she just really understood that. Yeah. Well, Julia, uh, thank you. Um, thank you. You've, you. You and Tamara and the team definitely had a huge stake in literally taking us from Indian no place to one of the country's most vibrant downtowns for, for visitors, for events, you know, for, for downtown residents now for literally anybody to visit. And I hope once we rebound from uh, COVID, the, the progress will continue. Yeah, so I hope so. As a matter of fact, my son is now a downtown resident. So Fantastic. we're doing our part. That's great. <laughs> yeah. That's great. Super. All right. Well, thanks for sharing. Some of, your, some of your stories about Tamara, and we'll be in touch soon. Okay, thank you. Have a great day. Thanks, Julia. 
Next up, we're going to have a conversation with Paulina Osharov, someone who's been a friend of mine for over a decade. Paulina is one of the most influential people on the Indianapolis region's culture over the last decade period. She is a photographer, particularly a fashion photographer. She is a visual artist. She founded the organization Pattern that brings together Indianapolis's fashion industry and produces a few times a year a magazine that is the quality that you would see in New York or Los Angeles. I keep one on my desk in my office. Um, my wife, Helen, and I always keep one in our living room because we want people to see it to really showcase this fashion and art community that Indianapolis has. Paulina is like a force of nature. Um, she and I are of the same generation. We're, we're I guess... Uh, young Gen Xers, almost millennials. And Tamarzan was a great mentor to Paulina, helped her grow the organization pa- pattern and the and the magazine. And uh, I just, you know, Paulina worked really closely with Tamara, and it was good to catch up with Paulina and just hear more about what Tamara meant and her influence on uh, pattern on other civic organizations just in the last uh, handful of years of her life. So, uh, hope you enjoy the conversation with Paulina Osharov. I got the call one degree removed from you the night we heard that Tamara passed and, um, I don't know. It's been a few weeks, but I didn't really know what to do except call you and others who worked with her closely, especially lately, just to make sure that we're capturing the story, you know? Um, yeah. And we talked to, we talked to Julia, we talked to Julia earlier this week about as someone who'd worked with her for many years before, but I know that Tamara was a real believer in pattern and had been really active on the board and you guys had a close friendship and I don't know, I just, I just wanted to ask you to kind of reflect on your time with Tamara these last several years. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for, you know, thinking to do that. I think Tamara was very special, not just to me, but to so many people and to the city. I mean, her impact, everything that she's done. Um, When I was at her memorial service, you know, just hearing some of the stories that even I didn't know about was really illuminating in terms of her influence and impact, uh, which made it all the sadder for us to lose her. Um, but yeah, she definitely was an early, early adopter. Uh, in fact, I looked back through my emails and she was on some of the emails in the early days of Pattern, before it was even Pattern, when it was Indianapolis Fashion Collective. She was on the emails uh, just sort of keeping an eye on us. I'm not sure who looped her in. I didn't know her personally at the time, but there she was. And then, you know, we lost touch for a little bit because Indianapolis Fashion Collective was kind of trying to find its footing. But when we became Pattern, we had uh, an event at the platform. I don't think it was the platform back then. Uh, this was in 2012. And I invited her to come. She was like, at that time, probably the most like, senior important civic person that I knew. So it was a little intimidating to like email her and ask her to be a part of it. And she was like, yeah, I'll be there. And so um, she came and uh, we had, I think we were making video of the meetup. It was um, this very uh, well-known style blogger who was based in Bloomington. So it was kind of a big deal. And we did an interview with her and she was already, you know, very enthusiastically endorsing what we were trying to do. And then I just kind of kept up with her and she was kind of on our advisory board for a long time. And I'd meet with her and I'd get her input on a variety of different things. And finally I wore her down to be our chair. And so that was the last couple of years. And that was pretty incredible. I mean, transformative, I would say for the organization. I, um, one thing that it, it took me a while to really see this and, and, and really appreciate it with her was she was always looking ahead to sort of what the next thing was and um, her ability to 
I don't know, her ability to like, see, okay, there's this, all this potential for pattern and I'm going to invest my energies here. Um, you know, some people, I mean, any of us can get kind of stale or kind of, this is the way you do things. But I think I particularly looking at her work with pattern and helping pattern gain support and a lot of mainstream attention. I was just, I don't know. I was just impressed with her ability to see, you know, the potential, you know, the magazine, this fashion collective and this, you know, cause she, like myself, she's somebody that I can say this about myself. I'm out of place at a pattern magazine launch. I'm a huge fan. Do you know what I mean? But you wouldn't pick me out of a lineup to say, okay. And you know, Tam Tamara, obviously let's be honest, I mean, was kind of older than the average pattern fan, but she, to see her like right in the middle of it, I was just, you know, early on as one of the early adopters, I was just really impressed with that. Was there, was there a, was there something about it you think that drew her in or? Well, Tamara was always known for her style. Yeah. She, yeah. You, could, you could spot her across a room, you know, the, uh, the turned up collar, the, the pixie haircut, the, you know, the color palette that she had. She definitely had this and also the height. Yeah. Um, she, she always had that stature. So I think she definitely was attracted to the fashion style aspect of the organization. But I would say more than that, um, just based on her career trajectory and what she invested in the city, I think she was always a possibility thinker, right? Like yeah. she loved Indianapolis, was super passionate about downtown and growing the culture. And, you know, she invested a huge part of her life in making the city better. And I think that that, you know, what we're trying to do, which is make the city better as an organization, it really, really resonated with her. So I think, I think that's what it was. The fact that it was style and fashion was just sort of a, maybe the icing on the cake for yeah. her. Yeah. Um, I think of, I think of her persistence too, because, you know, as you and I both learned, uh, you know, in our lives, life is not just as linear as get an idea, go attract followers for it, go raise the money. You, you know what I mean? It's, it almost like, I can't tell you how many ideas I've had and it, it like, even in a best case scenario, it never happens in a straight line. Speaking for myself, it never, it never happens on the timeline that I desire. And I have, I found Tamara sometimes counseling me on persistence, you know, showing up, you know, sometimes, sometimes you just wear people down, you know, was there, was there some of that, that, that rubbed off on pattern? Oh, unquestionably. <laughs> I mean, you know me, I'm not exactly um, an easy person <laughs> to handle. I definitely have a mind of my own and I'm very, um, you know, strong-minded strong and opinionated. And certainly um, Tamara was always the voice of reason, yeah. right? Like, but you, um, you're, too, you're frequently too hard on yourself because that's the, art, the artistic temperament. You know, the most artistic people that I know are not, are, are, it's not hardwired in them to be small p political you know what i mean so i was just saying don't don't be hard on yourself but yeah i know what you mean well i mean i think that the truth of it is that when you're trying to grow an organization um that is recognized and taken seriously for the type of work that it does the leadership has to um you know present a certain type of an attitude and the face um at least maybe publicly sure. facing totally and and that's something that you know i've had to learn and she was a great instructor with that I, she was very very adamant that no bridges were ever burnt um that collaboration and putting aside any differences and certainly making sure that any petty things uh would be set aside because you know it's always about thinking about the bigger picture right we're not in this yep. by ourselves this is a community effort it's all about teamwork and collaboration. And to that end, you know, we have to set aside our egos and we need to be, you know, forward thinking and patient and just sort of work the process because there's definitely a lot of that. Like you said, you don't just have an idea and then wham, bam, and all of a sudden, like you've got this thing. It takes many, many years of work and effort, especially if you're trying to build something from the ground up like Pattern is trying to do. And so you just, it comes with the territory. So getting, frustrated um doesn't really serve anybody yeah i wish i i wish i knew that a decade ago because <laughs> that's 
And yeah, yep. and I think Pat, and, and you know, I, t- I said to Julia, it's like, the other thing, Tamara's enthusiasm, um, something you said made me think of her enthusiasm. When I met, well, I met her back in like 02, 03, and she was incredible. I was still in graduate school. She was incredibly kind to me, and she didn't have to be. But when I, when I came, when I started working for the mayor's office, I remember the first time I saw her at a meeting and I was like, whoa, because she was like super enthusiastic, kind of, you know, she started, um, you know, fac- like facilitating this meeting when nobody asked her to, but just, she just kind of naturally did it. But I was like, man, is she this kind of intense all the time. And I don't know, in my experience, she really was, I mean, just like show, it was like, get, get knocked down, come back with this just like relentless positive thing I don't know does that is it does that resonate with how she was in you know with the pattern absolutely yeah absolutely and, and and speaking of you know commanding a room and and organizing you know um patterns board meetings are I would say um fairly unorthodox I mean I guess that goes with the territory but um when she took over as board chair she she really brought a lot of order and organization to the meetings and made them uh, be as close to what real board meetings need to be and should be. And that was, you know, highly, highly welcomed by me. Um, and yeah, I, I think that she was always good to about bringing us back to what was the most important thing on the plate, right? Because it's easy to get distracted. There's a lot of priorities, but she always kind of kept the ball, the eye on the ball and uh, eye on the prize. And there was a lot of repetition and I think it was good. Like that's, that's how you get things done. You have to keep revisiting the things that require the work. And she did that really, really well. Um, her, uh, her mentorship of a lot of young people, is that something, I mean, it, it's interesting. I knew you and you and Tamara were close. I know I have other personal friends that she had kind of a mentor mentee relationship with. Um, but then when she passed, like many more people came out of the woodwork talking about what an influence she was on, on their lives. Is that something that, that happened just kind of, do you think organically, you know, how, how, like how, how did, how did, how did, how did she, how did she become influential to all of these people? I think it probably has to do with how generous she was as a person. Right. And, and she she really enjoyed people and fellowship. And I think she really enjoyed women, you know, and, and I think that uh, her being um, a leader for 20 years and at the top, um, you know, it could have been pretty lonely there because she was probably in the minority. And perhaps it was just a recognition of wanting to help other women succeed in an environment that she was able to conquer and wanting to just pass that on. I, I mean, not that she yeah. just mentored women, she also mentored men as well, but I think she had a particular affinity and passion for um, training up female leaders, which, yeah. is, which is really great. I saw a lot of that. I just, I, yeah, I'm getting a little bit emotional because I just, I, I just remembered a story. Um, it was like, I don't know, 2011 and I'm deputy mayor and um, we needed Georgia street had just been built for the Super Bowl, and it was like a jump ball because operating it after the Super Bowl was such a um, complex task, really hard task. And so a few of us went to Tamara asking her if, you know, given, you know, some budget, if, if she could be the operator of Georgia Street. It's not something she volunteered for. And she was incredibly gracious and stepped up to do it. And figuring out the details was like, but was really hard. Okay. And yeah, led to I- some tough... T- tough conversation. I was trying to figure it out and she was trying to figure it out. So anyway, it's the opening of Bush stadium, the, the revamped Bush stadium as a mixed use, um, apartments development. And, um, we're at the opening and my mother's visiting from Illinois just happens to be on that day. My mom, you know how your parents are. My mom is so supportive, but really has no context for like our world, you know, yeah. and Tamara and Tamara, like, singles out my mom and st- I'm in a, I'm in the middle of this kind of difficult project negotiation with Tamara and she singles out my mom and probably talks to her for 20 or 30 minutes saying, Oh, how much I enjoy working with your son and how he's work- making a difference for the city. And I kind of get emotional thinking about that. Cause I'm like, it's like, who does that? You know, you know yeah. what I mean? I'm yeah. sorry. You just, you just triggered a memory there. 
No, I think that's a great memory. I mean, that's, that's Tamara through and through. She really, she like deeply cared about people. She always, you know, would, when I would chat with her, she would always ask how, you know, my husband and the kids are doing and, you know, just like taking a genuine interest in the person and not just in getting the job done, which I think yeah. is, is really key. Um, I think that's why she was so successful at what she did because she, you know, built these relationships um, with, with individuals around things that mattered to them. Yeah. I think, I don't know, maybe, maybe part of it, maybe part of it was she, she was a, she was a, like a, a fan and, a, and really like I mentioned to Julia, it's almost like she got her PhD in American downtown districts, you know, and maybe, maybe part of it is just her curiosity about downtowns because, you know, urban environments are always changing, constantly changing. You know what I mean? That that was part of that always looking forward to the next thing. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I really, I think it was, it wasn't just generically downtowns though. I think she really had a passion for Indianapolis specifically, yeah. Yeah. you know? And I, and I mean, I see that, right? Uh, right. That's why we're here, right? <laughs> right. Because we are all passionate about Indianapolis and, and helping it, um, you know, reach its full potential. Yep. And, and she was definitely a master cheerleader for the city. And I think that anybody else that, felt that same passion she felt compelled to connect with and help yeah in whatever way she could so and i i appreciate that about her yeah not not wanting to know anything confidential but can you share uh, were there what 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 were the next what was the next big idea or big ideas that that she was really pushing you know that you and i should say that you and tamara were really pushing regarding pattern and regarding the, uh, you know, the fashion industry here in Indianapolis? Well, I mean, <laughs> that's a, that's a loaded question. Um, well, not really. Pattern is kind of evolved and grown, right? This is yep. our 10th year. And yep. so I think it, it, it has tended to sprawl and Tamara was really hoping for us to focus and and go to the next level right as far as becoming you know sustainable into the the next 10 years and so one of the projects that we have been working on is a space that is going to be a virtual um, event studio yeah and so that was that was kind of an exciting thing it's not super secret but um other than that i don't know cool. just just continuing That'd be huge you yeah. think I think so. Yeah. I do. It'll be yeah. cool. And then I, you know, this is a, this is a more of a tidbit, but it's interesting. You know, she's from the Midwest obviously, but she's not from Indy. You're not from Indy. I'm not from Indy too. I mean, it's like, I think, I mean, we, we do, obviously you and I do come into contact with people in our circles who are, who are born and raised here. I would say the majority are not, I don't know, 60% probably maybe more. Um, I mean, in our circles. Yeah. I think we have a lot of people who are out of town. Yep. Um, but yeah, it's, it is interesting. Maybe because we'll recognize what Indianapolis has. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that, that is, that is, she, um, she, um, you, you bring up something which, which I know was core to her. It's like the hard, the hardest sales job, the hardest sales job in terms of making people realize what is already here and the potential is usually to the people who live here. <laughs> It's actually, right. it's actually a tougher, it's a, I mean, you, you and I both experienced this. It's yes. a tough, it's a tougher sell. It's a tougher sell oftentimes to people who have, have lived here their entire lives than it is to the person from Los Angeles or New York. Absolutely. Yeah. No question. Yeah. No question. And she definitely um, changed, she definitely changed people's perceptions of the downtown. Definitely back in the, starting in the 1990s. But, yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. That's a whole other conversation. Yeah. No kidding. Do you have, um, other again, I know I'm putting you on the spot, but are is there are there are there stories or other things that haven't come up yet that kind of are imprinted on your memory of her? Man, I don't know. Um, I'm trying to think. The truth of it is that you know her and I had a a professional relationship. I mean we really admired one another and kind of were on the same page with a lot of things. And um, 
you know, so many of the people that she was friends with and um, mentored, they all talk about going on walks with her. And so I would say my, my greatest regret is that her and I never actually got to go on a walk together. Oh, man. Yeah. Yeah, that kind of really bums me out. Yeah. You know, I, I was always, I think, uh, of course, hang on. No problem. Okay, I'll edit that out. Every time I'm on Zoom, the phone rings. Never no, no, hey, that's, 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 life. that's life in the age of Zoom. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's only three rings. Yeah. Um, I was always really sensitive to her time, right? Because, I mean, yeah. she's a very, very busy individual. And so, I, you know, anytime she would call me, she would always say, do you have time for me? And I'd always be like, I always have time for you. Like, it's the other way around. Do you have time for me? And so I don't think it ever occurred for me to be just like, hey, we should go for a walk and talk then, you know? Um, but now, now I wish that we'd done that. Yeah. So it's kind of a bummer. But yeah. I think totally that's, understand. That's, that's, my, that's my big story there, which is yeah. much of a story. But you know what? Um, I did uh, take some really beautiful photos of her a long time ago, almost seven years ago. And uh, I, you know, dug them up cool. and they were, you know, used extensively cool. in her memorial stuff. And um, I'm just glad I had a chance to do that. Yeah. Well, there's no doubt you're one of her favorite people and Pattern was one of her favorite, you know, organizations and causes. And um, I don't know, I'm just, I'm just uh, incredibly sad we didn't get some more time with her. But yeah. I, 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 I so appreciate you. Um, having this conversation and um, I will uh, come back to have a dedicated, a conversation dedicated to pattern. That would be great. I would okay. appreciate it. Um, okay. I'd love to have that chat with you. And um, I, you know, I think it's great that you are talking to people about Tamara. I think we need to keep that memory alive. I think, um, you know, who she was, the spirit that she embodied is so very much Indianapolis and everything yeah. that's great about the city. It's like for, I sound like an old man, but it's like for the young, for the younger people. Well, so, so it's like I moved here in 2001 and the, I have had a tendency just to assume that all this stuff happened on its own and it didn't, you know, it's like, it's people like Tamara and, you know, uh, just, just making it happen, you know? Um, right. So, yeah. She's an inspiration. Yeah, for sure. And, uh, you know, I, I hope, I hope to make her proud. I yep. hope she's looking down and, um, keeping an eye on, on us. <laughs> I'm sure she is. Well, I know you are. Um, anyway, well, thanks. Thanks so much for your time. It's really, it's really, it's, yeah. it's incredibly sad, but just helpful to helpful to hear more about what she meant to you. I know you meant a lot to her. So. Anyway, we'll be we'll be back in uh, back. I don't know in a few weeks. To talk about pattern. That works. Sounds great. Okay. Thanks, Paulina. Thanks, Michael.